What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the ICAST Media Network and the Racing Spotlight. Sit back and enjoy as we have interviews with drivers and teams and listen to their aspirations of becoming their next series champions here on the iCast Media Network. Hello world and welcome to another edition of the Racing Spotlight. And the star of our show tonight in the spotlight is young Will Gibbs from North Carolina, who races, tell them, Will. Mini mods, mini Mini, mod race cars. Mini mod race cars. See, I thought they were go-karts, folks, and I was looking at his page today just getting a a good look at them, and they honestly look like cars. And I I just couldn't believe, because I know when we had Will on a year ago, I was mostly wound up in the fact of the go-karts. But they are mini mods. They look like little race cars for all the world they do. So, anyway, how did you get into that, Will? We we originally raced flat carts, and we wanted something safer, so we found these online and found a series close to us. We figured out the rules, and then we went and bought one, and we've just been going at it since then. Well, where are the tracks that you run at? What tracks do you run on, and are they dirt or asphalt, and what length are they? They're dirt tracks, and we run at Millbridge. Oh, do you? Here in, Yes, sir. We run at Millbridge a couple times a year. And then there's another track called Mountain Creek in Catawba, North Carolina, that we race at. And we're trying to get some more tracks on board this year. We haven't figured out which ones have gotten back with us yet. So we're still waiting on some more tracks. And then we had we have one that's going to shut down in a month that we used to race at called Starnes Farm Speedway, uh-huh. which is five minutes from my house. Wow. But it's going to shut down here soon. That's too bad, but there are a lot of tracks, both for full-size stock cars and everything else that are shutting down. Short track racing needs to get a transfusion of blood because that's where it all started, and I still love it. Grassroots racing. So tell me what goes into building this mini-mod you've got. Folks, first of all, Will, tell the folks where they can see your Facebook page, how you're listed as Will Gibbs, is that right? Yes, sir. And you I'm can... on Facebook. What else? Um, I'm on Instagram. That's, that's that's all I'm on, and I need to I need to post some more pictures on there, but my Instagram is will.gibbs10, mm-hmm. so I have a few pictures posted on there, and I'll post some more as the season goes out. All right, well, you know, Will, you can join iCast.network for free. You can become a member of that for free, and you can post your pictures and whatever you want to do on there. That's our network. That's our home-based network, so just sign up. Put all the pictures on there. You won't write any, with any kind of uh, thing you want to write about your racing and give weekly reports if you want to. Now, do you race every week or is it sporadic? It's more two times a month, so every other week. Mm-hmm. So okay. we get enough time to rebuild our cars if we have issues. It's, it's nice. I like it. Well, how many cars are there in the 
division you run? I mean, how many cars usually show up? We usually have, it, it ranges anywhere from six to ten. We're trying to build the class. Okay, when you say, when you say we are trying to build the class, are you actively involved in the organization other than a driver? Or are you in there some other way? Um, on Facebook, we have a, there's a bunch of groups with our cars for sale. So usually we send that we will share the links on our Facebook and hope somebody and and then as well as talking to people at the track that want to get into it. So we're actively trying to get more people to join and race with us. Well, you've done it what now? Two years, or have you done it three? This I think this will be my fourth or fifth season now, actually. Wow! But you started out in regular go cars, though, didn't you? Yes, sir. And how long did you run those before you got mini mods? Um, I want to say a year and a half, two years. Well, that is very Somewhere interesting. Around that. that is very interesting to me. I, I mean, I can't. I, I guess I really didn't realize last time I had you on that you were driving these things that look like just shrunk up race cars, and that. You know, but they have go kart engines, right? They have, um, I guess you'd call it like a big block. That's that's what we call them. They're big blocks. So yes, in that sense, it's a go kart style motor, but it's it's everything bigger with them. Well, what are your top speeds on on the tracks you run? Um, <clears throat> I don't have the new Micron 5s tell you how fast they go. I don't have one, but I drove a buddy of mine's and it said at Millbridge we got up to 50 to 55 mm. going around that track. And Millbridge is what, a quarter mile? No, it's... I can't remember what size it is. It's, it's a tiny track. It's not It's nothing big. We don't really... We don't have any big tracks that we race on. Yeah. Well, I know Millbridge gets a lot of publicity for a lot of different yes, reasons because there's been a lot of people, I think... Uh, what is the Bush kid? Yes, sir. Brad, I see him all the time. Yeah, he's up there racing all the time. and uh, I hear stories. I've got a friend that goes to some of those races up there. She tells me the stories about how he misbehaves. Do you ever see him misbehave? I've never seen him misbehave, but I must not be paying that much attention to him. <laughs> well, that's pretty good if you don't. All right. You had a good season last year or was it a bad season it was it was rough we we did pull off a win this year but it wasn't what we had hoped for we had a bunch of motor issues we we would we were just trying a bunch of new stuff trying to get faster mm-hmm. who works on your car with you will me and my dad is he really into it big time i mean he's like any other dad with a son playing soccer or whatever it's just Go for it all the time, right? Yep we 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 definitely try to keep it all with it with between me and him. I have a friend who helps me with the setup. His name's Tyler. He races with us, and he he helps me a lot as well with tips and setup ideas. Try to get us faster on the racetrack. Well, that's great. How how old are you, Will? I am 19. Yeah, I thought I had, the last time we talked, I thought I was, I was really shocked that you were 19 because I was thinking from looking at your page, you were probably younger than that. So you are in your, I might as well say, fourth year, and you had a rough year last season. What was the roughest part of it? It, it was rough showing up, and then you had it, course it'd be fine at the house and then you get there and then you just have issues and issues and issues we had one race where we had burned up a piston where we where we had just rebuilt the motor the piston burned up in that motor and we just couldn't figure out what what had caused it so we were fighting issues all day and then we took it home took the head off and found out that we had burned up a piston i know things go like that sometimes you know Back when I was racing, I started in 69. We had a pretty good season in 69. But in 1970, I think the first first eight races that we ran in 1970, we dumped the clutch. We just couldn't figure that out. But 
they finally got that fixed and we were off and running. But I think when I look at your cars, your little mini mods or, or whatever they call mini mods, they're just they're fascinating. They are really fascinating to look at, and I hope everybody will go take a look at them. And I hope you'll put some pictures on ICAS dot network so a lot of our people can see it. You know, but like I say, ICAS dot network is a free site to join with no spam, nothing. You know, we don't sell information, we don't do anything, but talk about racing on Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, and then. Dan Henson has a show on Sunday morning about our freedom and our patriotism, so and that's all really good. But, you know, I came to know you through your Uncle Edward, which I consider a, a very dear friend of mine, and he goes up there to watch you race from time to time, doesn't he? Yes, sir, he does. He, he was up quite a bit this season, actually. Does that mean a lot to you that he'll come up from Georgia to see you race? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome having everybody come up when they come. Yeah. I mean, I can just... Right now, I can't travel, but I hope someday in the future I'll be able to travel and come up and watch you race, get together with Edward again. So tell me awesome. tell me what you have done in this off season to get ready for this upcoming season. Well, we've just done regular maintenance, cleaned our carburetor out we switched the methanol that was a big issue actually with last season but the last race we finally got it figured out we had a very successful night and just maintenance replacing things that need to be replaced going through the car going through the motor just making sure we'll be ready for next season and we also this past weekend picked up a new building so i'm i'm trying to find someone to pour me a concrete pad so we can have a bigger race shop Wow, that is really neat, Will. I like that idea. Where Where's the building? How far from your house? Well, it's it's at my house. It's one oh. of them that we'd assemble. Oh, okay. It's um, 24 by 25, so it's good size for these cars. Yeah, that'd be a great place to run it. Well, what, who is your toughest competition when you're out there racing as a usual weekly race? Who's your roughest competition? My buddy Tyler, who helps me, he's he's got a really fast car. Well, tell him to help you get yours that fast. I mean, don't oh, let don't let does. him get away with that, Will. Don't let him get away with it. <laughs> so he he helps me a lot. I really appreciate him. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that kind of camaraderie in the racetrack, and you know, that really helps everybody when everybody gets together and works yeah. together. Now, is there somebody in that racing circle, and you don't have to name them, that you would rather not be in there? No, I like everybody. That's that's the thing about our class. We're all tight. We all talk to each other on a weekly basis, usually. Just checking up with each other, seeing if anybody needs help, letting us know about the season. Well, that's so really good. We don't really have any issues in between the group of us. That is really great. That's the way it ought to be, and that's the way most of the time on the short tracks around the country, that's what we see happening, and that shows if you can do that now, you can certainly do that in the future with the things that you do. Now, are you in school? I'm in in college classes. I take them Mondays and Wednesdays at nighttime right now for welding. Oh, okay. Boy, you right in right in there with the welding work that you're going to need to do on the cars, I'm sure. Well, what do you plan plan to do to progress your racing career? What's the next just, step? Just continue to get seat time, and hopefully, once we get our shop built, we can venture into something else, something bigger, something that'll get us some more publicity. What are some bigger sponsors if we can? Well, speaking of sponsors, who do you have for sponsorship now? Tell the world. So we have Don and Son LLC. They're well, they're actually a welding shop in Tobaccoville, North Carolina, about an hour and fifteen minutes from me. Um, Hoser, they build hydraulic lines. Um, BB Tire, they do truck tires, and then just some other people that just give Dad some money when he's when he's out and about. Yeah. 
Well, do you have plans to go further in racing than where you are now in the mini mods? Yes, sir. We'd love to. Where would you like to go? I'd like to race dirt late models. That's the big goal. That's fantastic, Will. I like to hear that. I, I don't. I, I sometimes get irritated is not the right word, but I really sometimes with the young drivers I talk to, and they're racing go karts or they're racing jalopies or something, and you ask them where they want to end up, and they want to be in a cup ride in two years, and you know that's not going to happen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But I, yeah, I never uh, tell them. Simple. Yeah, I never tell them that because. I want them to have that dream, and I want them to go ahead and chase that dream and hope that it will come complete circle and they'll get in that car. But, you know, I read probably sometime in in the middle of the summer, they were talking about the number of drivers that want to be in in the cup. And nationwide, from what has filled in the questionnaires, there's probably 2,500 young men that want to drive cup cars right now and they're the ages from 18 to about 22 then you've got Mm -hmm. several females also that want to get involved in it so it's just i don't know you have to be realistic you can dream but dream realistic and see what happens to you now what do you think this season is going to be like for you i hope i sure hope it's not as difficult as last season was but I just hope we get the car faster and figure it out and learn a lot more about it and learn what the changes that we make to the car do for us on the track. Do you get to test before the season? Sometimes sometimes it just depends on what the days align. Usually on Mondays, once a month sometimes, Millbridge will have an open practice. And Millbridge is eight minutes from my house, so it's not far at all. We'll get to go down there and practice. But we can also rent the tracks as well. And we we have also talked with some of our guys about renting the Mountain Creek track because we, we mainly race there. But that's the one you said was closing, correct? No, that, no. Oh, Mountain okay. Creek is in Catawba. The Starnes Farm is closing. Oh, okay. I think they had some issues with the county. So that's unfortunate. That was a really nice track. That's actually where I got my win this season was <laughs> at that track. And now they're going and closing it. Well, you know, the the problem with the racetracks, and and we've talked about this a lot on this show and on our Thursday night show, the problem with the racetracks, they can go out and build them in the middle of nowhere. Just like Columbia Speedway, when it opened in 47, was in the middle of nowhere. And then they started building the tracks. Hold on just one second, Will. Okay, hold on. All right. Okay, Will, you still there? Yes, sir. I'm sorry about that. My wife is having health issues, and she was just at the door calling me, so I had to step away for a second. I oh, you're fine. beg your you forgiveness. That got me totally off track what I was talking about now. But it was talking about, I think I was talking about all the number of people that want to be cup drivers. But I'll tell you, yeah. I, I know a guy, I met him, Oh, God, 10, 11, 12 years ago when he was like 16 or 17. And he wanted to be a race driver, and he has worked his butt off. He's driven anything that he could get a hold of that had wheels on it. And I heard, I haven't talked to him yet, but I heard yesterday that he's got a truck ride in the NASCAR truck series. So 
I'm I'm excited for him for that. I've got to call him. But you know, he has really he has for eleven years would race anything, anywhere, anytime to to forward his career hopes and he's keeping right on at it, you know. But for your career hopes to want to run late model dirt, that is pretty I think super. That is really great and I'm proud to hear Hear you say that. Keep the short track racing alive. Now, what else do you spend your time doing besides racing and working on the car? Um, most of it, I, I also work during the day. So most of it's work and then school and then just racing stuff. I go out with my friends on the weekends. Want, try, we try to go out and do something on the weekend. But that's about all we try. That's about all I do. Well, that sounds like you get a little bit of you time, and that's important too, I think. But like most of them, I, I guess, you want to be in behind the wheel of a race car as often as you can. Or at least that's the yeah. way most of the people I talk to would do that. Now, have you ever been scared in that race car? No, not really. I've been aggravated, but that's about <laughs> it. Aggravated with you or another driver? Um, all of it. All of it. Uh, I'll tell you though, sometimes the competition out there gets so rough, it's hard to. It's it's just hard to get it all together and know what you're supposed to do, and whatever. And it, Bill Blair is the man that has been around racing since it began. I mean, he's his father won at the Daytona uh, Beach Course, and and won several other races, and and he's just said on our chat line it's good to know we have young people coming into racing that is the future so you know he's listening to you and he really appreciates that because Bill and I talk a lot and so does Dan Henson that owns this whole shebang talks a lot about without our grassroots racing that you're a part of and the short tracks and the little tracks it's going to die because Right. What, what NASCAR is doing with the big tracks now has got to be such a game that it's hard to keep up with, you know. But yeah. I, I'll tell you, with the thing that they're doing with the television packages, it would not surprise me at all to see the, all the cup races be pay for view before too long. Now, do you follow NASCAR? Um, not not really. I used to, but. I, I don't really like the way they do their stuff nowadays, so I just I just watch my dirt racing now. Man, I like you, Will. <laughs> I tell you what, you <laughs> you fit right in with Bill Blair and me and Dan Henson and and all us old people. You sure you're only nineteen? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but that's good because that's what we want to see and that's what we want to hear because we're selfish about that. We saw racing back when it was growing, back when it got started and watched it grow step by step all the way up and it is so good to sit here and hear a young person say this is what I want to do instead of I want to go out and win the Daytona 500 you know that just makes right. makes a whole lot of difference but what do what do you and your other competitors talk about before a race do you get together and talk about we're going to do this we're going to do that what's the general topic of conversation we usually ask about tire pressures that each other's running, seeing just seeing where they're running their line on the track, just something to try. Because we get a practice, which practice and qualifying, so practice is the qualifying. So you got to get at least a good lap in there somewhere, and then then we go straight to a heat race in the feature. So do they divide we, it? We into, try to make the best of our time. Yeah, do they divide it into two? separate classes for heat races um they have before but more recently they just put us in all one class because we haven't had as many people yeah this year as we did last year they had another series start which raced the same days we did and it was it was probably more affordable for those guys because our our motors are our motors are, motors are built motors and they were running sealed motors and it's probably more affordable to run a sealed motor but 
our ours are so much faster. It's it's nothing compared to those motors that they run. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that. Do you have a lot of young kids come up to you after a race and say, I want to race. Can you tell me how to get into it? I haven't had any come up to me, but when we're in the staging line, I have a bunch of little kids come up to me and give me a fist bump and tell me good luck. Oh, that's great. See, you're you're already encouraging another generation of racers to come into it because if they're coming up fist bumping, then they know you're somebody special and they may want to do what you're doing. But it, it's just really a great thing, Will, and what you do. And I think, what are you looking forward to most this coming season? Just getting back, seeing everybody else that we race with and getting on the track and seeing seeing what we can do to get better. That's very admirable. I like that, too. So when you get back on the track, that's going to start in the early part of April. Then... Yep, April 1st. April 1st, April Fool's Day, huh? Okay. Then how yep. long does your season last? We have... Let me look at the schedule real quick. I have it pulled up. So regular races end in October, mid-October. But we have a... They call it the Chad Bush Clash. He, he passed away this past year. He was actually the guy who started our series, and he passed away. So we have a memorial race for him in November, towards the end of November. Well, that's nice. That is really nice. And I heard, and I, and I don't know his name, I heard there was a young race driver killed in Florida this past week. Have you heard anything about that? I have not. I haven't heard anything about that. I have not heard the name or anything else. I just heard the clip of the news walked by and said it was killed in the Florida racetrack blah 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 and that was it you know 17 years old I think he was but you know racing is a dangerous sport and I'm glad that the safety has come a long way and from looking at those mini mods that you drive it looks like you're really encased in a safe environment in there do you feel that way I do. We got we got full containment seats. We got the, the five point harnesses and then the cage as well. I, I never really have to worry about that. Have you ever an issue? Have you ever been wrecked hard? I have. I've I've been in a few bad wrecks, but I've never rolled my car. Fortunately. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing not to do that. Well, what do you have? We're getting ready to wind down and get near the end of the show. What would you like the world to know about Will Gibbs? Well, <clears throat> I, hope, I hope you guys hear my name someday racing dirt late models. Well, I'm almost sure we will. And I sure will hope to be able to get up there and see you racing dirt late models. But, I hope so, too. You know, I stay in touch with your Uncle Edward quite often. We chit chat back and forth on Facebook or at least communicate on Facebook so I'll be able to keep up with what all you're doing and where you're going and everything but Will I am very impressed by you and I I wish you the very best of everything because I think young men like you who have the dream to make racing stay a stable sport and a, a affordable sport I think you are going to make a lot of difference in the racing world. And we've got to be sure that we keep these lower series and these shorter tracks running. And to hear you talk about your ultimate ambition, that just fills my heart with pride to know that you're out there doing that. That's where you want to go. That's what you want to do. And I'm just tickled to have had you on the show tonight. Well, I really appreciate you having me on it as well. I've had a great time. Well, I appreciate that, Will, and we will get you on there again sometime at the end of this season so you can come back and tell us if it was any better than last season. But, see, I'll already know because I keep up with you on Facebook. All right. All right, Will, thank you so much. It has been a huge pleasure to have you on here. Just thank you so much, and we will be talking again. Thank you. All right. You have a good night now. You too. Thank you.
All right, folks, that's a young man in whom I have a lot of pride and respect, and you heard why. He just, uh, it's just amazing what he's doing, what he's done, and what he continues to do, and his ultimate goals are. So, you know, that is something to be impressed by. Let me hit a little, uh, I want to hit a little commercial, very short commercial right here. Stand by. Now that we have your attention, thank you for listening to ICAST Media, the Freedom Network. Visit us at ICAST.network. Now, back to the podcast. And as I told Will when he was on the line, ICAST.network is where you need to be. It's free membership. Just join ICAST.network. Just go to the page. Go and look at all the... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The things that you will have advantage of, can take advantage of, by being a member of ICAST.network. I mean, it even goes so far as a one of the best weather maps you'll ever see anywhere and tells you what's going on in your particular neighborhood or 20 miles away from you or 500 miles away from you. So it is really a great thing. ICAST.network, sign up. Mandatory break for Spreaker. Be back. And it is time for us to bring Christian Wilson in here. So let me let me get... Get him on the line and see what he's going to talk about. Daytona of the 1960s. So this ought to be an interesting, interesting conversation. So. Hello, everybody. Hello, Christian. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing today? Doing great, thank you. Uh, we are really looking, at least I am, really looking forward to this Daytona trip through the 1960s. So, whatever you want to start with, feel free and go ahead. Sounds good. Uh, first, I'd like to say, um, Will is very impressive, and like Bill said in the comments, and I've seen his name a couple of times. I know he has ran at Millbridge before because I've worked the Millbridge races, so it's cool to see him on the show tonight. Um, before we get into that, we were talking about dirt racing, so I'll go over a little bit of dirt racing news. The World of All Plate Mall season started last week, and Friday and Saturday, they had, no, Thursday and Friday, they had the races at Volusia. Um, they're supposed to have a third night on Saturday, but it got rained out, and Devin Moran won both of the open won both of the opening races of the season. So, I'd, I'm looking forward to seeing how things go. There's a lot of new drivers and new teams for the Case Late model, so it's gonna be fun. But anyways, um, let's get right started with this, shall we? Um, as y'all know, Daytona International uh, Speedway it opened in 1959. And the first practice sessions, the first test sessions they had at the track occurred on February the 1st um, in 1959, which actually, when doing research for this, I didn't notice, but 6,500 people attended the first test sessions, and they were all charged $1. And they did those test sessions without having a backstretch guardrail, so that could have been pretty bad. Um, but Fireball Roberts is the fastest driver, um, 
during the opening day of testing. But at this time, they had the convertibles and the Grand Nationals. So they had the Grand National races for the qualifiers, the 100-mile qualifying race for that, and then the 100-mile qualifying race for the convertible. Um, so Marvin Panch ended up finishing second. Um, you know, yes, he did finish second in the 100-mile qualifying race in 1959. He was um, Shorty Rollins passed Clint Wood on the final lap, and Panch got second, but... Um, a lot of the, as the term now is known as drafting was first used on the super speedways in that convertible race. And the Grand National 100-mile qualifier race had 38 cars in that one, and Bob Wellborn won that event with an average speed of 143 miles per hour, which was actually faster, um, which was actually about the same time as the fast qualifying Con Owens for the Daytona 500. We all know what happened the Daytona 500. Um, Johnny Beauchamp was officially declared the winner of that one in a photo finish with Lee Petty, and three days later, Lee Petty was given the win after photographic and video evidence. So now we're in the 60s. I just want to go over 59 since, of course, uh, 59 was the inaugural race of the Daytona 500, and I, would, I didn't want to leave that out. Um, but in 1960... The, the beginning of the International Speedway of that decade was most known for the huge crash that occurred in the modified sportsman race that year. Um, on February, it, it took place on February the 13th, and 37 cars were involved in the wreck. Lots of cars went flipping off turn four. There's a huge pileup, and there was drivers with some minor injuries, and it was, it was pretty crazy. You could search it up on YouTube really wild um, wreck there but in the Daytona 500 Junior Johnson won and is the second running of the event Junior Johnson ended up winning late after Bobby John spun with about nine laps to go um, and at the time this is back when they didn't have a limit on star fields and th at the time this was the record 68 card field for the event and I could, I, I bet it was quite the sight to see 68 cars at Daytona International Speedway at once. I agree. So I, I'm betting on. so, yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to 61. Um, so in the twin 100 mile qualifier event, Richard Petty, who ran in 59, and went out early with engine issues. He had problems during his qualifier race. He went over the wall in turn three and four. And then later, Johnny Beauchamp and Lee Petty, who were involved in that photo finish in 1959, they ended up sailing out of the track during the 100 twin 100-mile qualifying event. And basically, it's a crash that would say people would say ended Lee Petty's career. Um, Johnny Beauchamp had some injuries too, but it was a horrible wreck. Um, at the time, the guardrail that they had around the track was just this, was a beam, and you could easily fly over. They didn't have any concrete walls or fences back then at the time for super speedways and at this track. So they got off to a rough start, didn't it? But in '61. The, the two twin 100-mile qualifier races were won by Fabio Roberts and Joe Weatherly. Joe Weatherly was a startup driver. He had run some in the 50s, but he was starting to gain his foot, and he had more experience, and he ended up starting to win a lot in the early 60s. But in the 1961 Daytona 500, with 13 laps to go, Fireball Roberts was in the lead, but ended up blowing his engine, and his teammate Marvin Panch got by him and took the win. Yeah, Marvin Pants was driving a 60 Pontiac, and and Fireball was driving a 61. So the old, uh, the year old car won that one. And Pants was driving for a Smoky Eunuch yeah. that year. He was driving the number 20 car. He led 13 laps in the race. Fireball Roberts had led 170 laps up to that point, but he ended up... DNFing with the blowing engine fishing in 20th, and Roberts was the favorite to win. Um, he had won the pole, and he was in the number six, he was in the 61 Pontiac in the number 22 car. Just couldn't get the job done. 
Um, that race, there was no accidents from what I've found, but there was a lot of drivers that went out with mechanical issues, and 58 cars started that race. But Joe Weatherly finished second, as I mentioned. Paul Goldsmith was third. And Fred Lorenzen finished fourth, and Con Owens finished fifth. So, a lot of the, it, it, in the 1961 Daytona 500, we saw drivers that would end up becoming very dominant in the 60s start to finish up towards the front, and they showed their talent that day. So, sure moving on to 1962, as I mentioned, Fireball Roberts was. Uh, he 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 basically was a star or was about to become a big star in the sport um and he won all the races that week in speed week um he won the race of champions he won the pole position for the race the 100 mile qualifier and then ended up winning the daytona 500 he led 144 of 200 laps to win the 1962 daytona 500 which this one was actually the first Daytona 500 to go caution-free. Um, and there's 22 lead changes, but Robertson ended up winning by 27 seconds over Richard Petty in this one. The average speed was 152 miles an hour. The pole speed was 156 miles an hour, so it wasn't much of a difference. But some drivers, notables that ended up falling out of the race, mechanical issues, included Junior Johnson, who led 22 laps. There was Ralph Earnhardt was in this race. He finished 36 with an engine issue. Red Farmer, he went out on lap 30, and he ended up uh, finishing 40th. Nelson Stacy, who was pretty prominent at that time, he finished 43rd. Marvin Cash, the previous winner in the event, finished 44th. Elmo Langley was 47th. And Kelly Yarbrough, who was just starting to make some starts in the series, he finished last in 48th, driving the number 52 car, which was a 61 Ford. Um, but at this time, right now, at this point, Daytona was pretty tame um, up until the late ends of the 60s. However, in the 250-mile qualifying race, um, it was actually a practice event in 61. Habe Aberling passed away in a wreck. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was a modified race that they had. But moving on to 1963. So in 1963, Marvin Panch, he was a favorite to win this one. Um, he, he was driving a – the car that was entered was a, the number 21 English Motors car. Um, and he had won in 61. And he had had that fallback in 62. He was looking for, you know, a bounce back, a rebound. But in 63, even before the race started, he was involved in a fiery testing crash in a Maserati sports car. The car got overturned, and he got stuck underneath it. And Tiny Lund, who was one of the bystanders at the time, actually helped free him from his car. And Quinn, um, Panch actually asked Quinn Wood, who was the owner of the 21 to put Tiny Lund in it. So Tiny Lund had the chance to, to drive in the, in the Great American <laughs> Race. So he ended up starting 12th in the event. Um, but the 1963 Daytona 500 only had one caution in this race. The pole sitter was Fireball Roberts, who was a favorite. I would say a lot of people would think he could go back to back and win it two years in a row. He had been really strong the last couple years in the event. He ended up having an engine issue um, with about 20 laps to go. He led 11 laps. He had an engine issue dropping him out. Um, but the last 17 laps, the lead changed hands five times. There was five different drivers that led towards the end. Um, we had Ned Jarrett leading towards the end of the race, Fred Lorenzen, and Tiny Lund. All of them were battling towards the end as it came down to fuel strategy. But Fords were really dominant that day. In fact, the top five of that race were all 63 Fords. And Ned Jarrett, who had led 26 laps, finished third in the race. President Lorenzen finished second, fleeing 77 laps. But Tiny Lund, with the opportunity that he had, he took advantage of it and he got the win in the Wood Brothers 63 Ford, um, leading 17 laps. But and that one, I'm sure, was definitely pretty cool to see in person. 
Um, it do was. you remember anything about that race, Kev? Remember just about everything about it. Uh, I think if I my recollection is correct, the Wood Brothers never changed tires on that Ford the entire 500 miles. They never changed tires. And it was so funny because they took a piece of gray duct tape and put it across Marvin Pants's name and took what wow. looked like a Sharpie and put Tiny Lund on it. And Tiny was so amazed that he had won the race that he, he just really didn't know what to do, I think. But, yeah, it was a good race, and, you know, it was really... It, it was just something to see in person. It was something to talk about, something that I remember very clearly, like 1962 when I went down there for the first time. That that was another race. Well, all the rest of them, I was down there so many years in a row, but wait till you get to 1964 and ask me about that one. Oh, I definitely will. And, you know, yeah. it, it's pretty crazy to think about. I mean, stuff like that with drivers coming in because of injuries, uh, one other one that comes to mind is when Jerry McMurray went into the 40 car um, at Charlotte in 2002 after Marlin got hurt, like two races after um, Marlin got hurt McMurray came in and uh, and it was like third start I think with the Cup Series and won at Charlotte so yeah, that's another yeah. one I can think of yeah. um, but moving on to 1964 and one thing that I've always found interesting about some of the early years of racing is sometimes they started the season like at the end of, of the previous year. So, for example, Wendell Scott got his win at Jacksonville on December the 1st, 1963, but it was actually the fourth event of the 1964 season. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty interesting. The reason, anyway, the reason they did that, Christian, is because the new cars were always new model cars were always introduced in September or October, so NASCAR Correct. tried to coordinate the start of their season with the introduction of the new model cars. Mm. So that's what that was all about. So starting off with the twin 100 mile qualifying races for the 1964 Daytona 500, Paul Goldsmith was driving a 25 Red Plymouth, and he actually won the pole for the race at the record speed of 174 miles per hour. Um, but Petty actually qualified nearly 20 miles per hour faster than he did in 1960, with, in 1963 with the Plymouth. Now, he had a new Hemi engine, and Petty was looking for his first win in the Great American Race. He didn't win any of the qualifiers, but he definitely was a contender, no doubt. Junior Johnson won one of the 100-mile qualifying races, and Bobby Isaac, driving the number 26 car, won the other one. Johnson won his in a three-abreast photo finish, um, which is pretty cool. I wish, uh, I don't know if there's any photos of that, but from information I've read up on, that's how the end of that one went. But in 1964, starting off with the race, Paul Goldsmith was on the pole, as I had mentioned. But it didn't take long for Richard Petty to go on to lead. Richard Petty took the lead on lap number two, and then Bobby Isaac led for a little bit. Richard Petty ended up getting the lead back on lap 10 and led 30 straight laps before A.J. Foyt would end up going out front for two during a cycle pit stop. But Paul Goldsmith was pretty much Richard Petty's only challenger for this race. He was up front the entire time. He led laps. In fact, he led 11, but... Basically, Petty was just so much faster than everyone else. He led 184 to 200 laps and pretty much cruised the victory, won by one lap over Jimmy Pardue with Paul Goldsmith finishing third. Um, and the average speed for this race was 154 miles per hour. There was three cautions, six lead changes. Um, is there anything you can recall about the race, Tim? Everything. Everything, because that... The uh, popular mechanics, and I forgot the guy who wrote the article, way back in December had predicted Richard Petty was going to win that race. So we went down, Uncle Bobby and his wife, and my little uh, cousin, we went down for the race. We parked over by Lake Lloyd where they had this big pile of dirt stacked up that was just big enough at the top for one person to get on. So I got up there early in the day so nobody could take it away. And I watched the entire race for that. And when Richard took the checkered flag, I jumped off of that hill of dirt and I ran 
to get to Victory Lane and was hanging on the fence when he got there oh. in his car. You know, and I was just, it was amazing because we had been waiting for so long for Richard Petty to win a super speedway race because they always said he can win the short tracks, but he can't win on the big tracks. And another little cute thing, and this is, I'll let you have it after this. Fred Lorenzen made the statement that, sure, they may be fast qualifying, but we know our Fords will last. We don't know if these Hemis are going to last. So Richard Petty sent over to the Plymouth dealership, got a little sticker, a little square sticker that put in the back window, and you can take a picture of the car and see it in the back window, which was Chrysler's five-year, 50,000-mile warranty. That was enough said. <laughs> That's pretty cool, and thanks for sharing that with us. Um, definitely a cool experience. Um, let's move on to 1965. Um in 1965, the beginning of Speed Weeks just was really rough. I mean, even starting in January, uh, Billy Wade was killed during a Goodyear tire test at the track. Um, but beginning of the twin 100-milers, uh, Daryl Derringer won the first one, but the second one was marred by a huge crash that took place um, in turn three and four. It's Rod Olinfield ended up going for a ride and flipping over the top of the car. About 13 other cars were involved in this, and it took out half the field for that 40-lap qualifying event, which has ended up being won by Junior Johnson. Fred Lorenzen, um, he finished second in that. But for the Daytona 500 in this race, let me make sure I got this right. Yep, Daryl Derringer was on the pole for this one with a, with a pole speed of 171 miles per hour. Um, and going into the race, uh, there was a chance of rain, and that was on the minds of people. But Junior Johnson was a favorite. He ended up wrecking on lap 27 or lap 28. Um, he ended up finishing 27th, which his car number was 27. So I found that quite interesting. But uh, only there was 24 cars running at the end of that race of the 43 that started. But Fred Lorenzen was pretty much the dominant car um, or at, at the early part of the race other than Marvin Panch. He, Marvin Panch was pretty strong throughout. Bobby Johnson ended up leading one lap, but Marvin Panch and Fred Lorenzen were basically battling for the win. Um, not long around with around one around lap 100, if I'm correct, Marvin Panch ended up getting into a collision with Fred Lorenzen while battling um, for the lead. Now, Marvin Panch said that he got pinched down by Fred Lorenzen, and Fred Lorenzen said he, he was running like six to eight feet off the rail and didn't see him um, because it was raining. And at the time, he, I'm sure they didn't have spotters around the entire track, so they didn't throw the yellow. And Daytona is such a huge facility that it definitely could have rained on one part of the track, and people would have not said anything. Um, but regardless, the race was halted on lap 133. 32 of the 43 caution laps were run because of rain. But Fred Lorenzen ended up winning the race. And, in fact, the next year in 66, it would also be rain. So, in 66, that race is shortened because of rain as well. Yeah, two laps short, I think it was. Yeah, it was two laps short. Uh, Richard Petty ended up winning his second Daytona 500. Um, he took the lead on lap 113 and never looked back. Um, he won by one lap over Kelly Yarbrough. David Pearson made got his first top five in the Great American Race, finishing third in the number six, Con Owens' car. Fred Lorenzo was fourth in that one, and Sam McQuaig was fifth. You know, uh, Sam, Sam McQuaig was a great guy. Really was. Now, the first time I heard of Sam McQuaig was honestly I saw a video of his Darlington wreck. <laughs> I, I forgot what year it was. I think it was like '65. He had a he yeah, wreck at Darlington. '65. Oh, you talking about yeah. when he threw Kale over the guardrail? Oh, well, that's a different one. But oh. yeah, McQuaig's been a part of two big wrecks at Darlington. <laughs> yeah. I forgot the All one right. on straightaway. Um, in 67, 
I did a video actually on the Riverside race, which took place before Daytona. I did a video on the 1967 Motor Trend 500. So if y'all haven't seen that, make sure to check it out. I did it last week. I'll put it in the comments. But um, for 1967, let me make sure it's in there. Okay, it's in there. 1967, Mara and Um and there was a bunch of other USAC drivers at the time were uh, entering into the Daytona races, and Andretti started 12th of the 50 cars, and he ended up taking the lead on lap 23. And Andretti's car, I mean, that car is just so cool. It's blue. Um, it, it has the red on it, red lettering. I think it was one of the coolest uh, cars from that time period. But the race ended up having six cautions. There was a lot of lead changes. We saw guys like Curtis Turner, who won the call up front. We saw Leroy Yarborough, uh, Buddy Baker, Daryl Derringer, Pearson. Um, they, as I said, those guys were all up battling for the lead throughout the entire race. It was not one to snooze on, that's for sure. But Tiny Lund was... Uh, was in the pit. He actually finished um, in the, on pit road. He had a, he ran out of gas, but ended up finishing fourth in that. But Tiny Lund, um, he ended up finishing two laps down. Brother Renzen and Mars Reddy were the only two cars on the lead lap at the finish of that race. And Curtis Turner, he he was the favorite to win that one. He ended up blowing his engine and finishing in twenty fifth from the pole. So, let's move on to 68. You got about three minutes. Pressure. He cut out on me for a second for some reason. Um, but, in 68, Leroy, it was basically the Yarbrough and Yarbrough show. Kelly Yarbrough and Leroy Yarbrough were battling for the win in that one. Richard Petty actually drove a Plymouth with a black top on the uh, on the hood of the car. I thought that was pretty interesting. But the crowd, there's 94,800 in the crowd. The Yarborough averaged 143 miles per hour. Um, but this one, uh, this one was basically a controversial one because there were some drivers in the 125 mile qualifying race uh, that didn't want to race. Uh, there's drivers refusing to get in the cars because of rainy conditions and threat of rain. Uh, some drivers didn't get along with Bill France at the time, obviously, but Kelly Yarbrough ended up taking the lead with three laps to go and won the event. Bobby Allison finished third in the number 29 car. Let's go to 69 real quick. I'm sorry I'm taking so long. I could find my note. Okay, sixty-nine. So this was the this was before nineteen seventy, where they had the wing car. So there was some new Dodge Chargers in this race. There's sixty-nine Ford, sixty-seven Chevy. There's Plymouth Mercury. All sorts of cars from sixty-seven to sixty-nine were the year makes. But obviously, the Permatech three hundred. Uh, before this race, um, the day before, they had a pretty bad wreck with Don McTavish and passed away. That was a horrible, horrible way to start off um, that week. But anyways, um, Leroy Yarborough, he started back in 19th and worked his way up pretty quickly. He ended up taking the lead um, on lap 160. He ended up winning the race. But early on, it was Buddy Baker, Kelly Yarborough, the Allison's all up in front. Uh, there was a couple crashes in this one. Some took out Paul Goldsmith, Bobby Hamilton, uh, not Bobby Hamilton, Pete Hamilton. Bobby Allison went out with an engine issue. Um, another driver that went out with a crash is Bobby Isaac of the 50 cars that uh, were, were in this race. Only about 24 were still running at the end. But Leroy Yarbrough, after finishing second to Kale in 68, won in 69. So... Just thought I'd go back and do a little bit of the history um, of the Daytona 500 in the 1960s decade. I hope y'all enjoyed. That was fun, Christian. It really was. Brought back a lot of memories, you know, about all my adventures at Daytona and 
the year that I got snowed out of going to Daytona. <laughs> so, you know, it was just just a, a nice trip down memory lane, and thank you for doing that. Uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Of course. Sure safety. All right, it's time for me to get ready to sign this thing out. So we appreciate it, Christian. You have a good night. We'll have you next week. All right, you too. Thanks. All right, folks, we've come to the end of another show, The Racing Spotlight. I appreciate every single one of you around the world who listen to us and who support our ICAST network in everything that we do. If you're not already a member of ICAST.network, go to that, ICAST.network, and sign up for your free membership. Also, don't forget, on Thursday nights, we have a history show about stock car racing, where Bill Blair Jr. does it one week, and Cody Dinsmore does it next week. They alternate weeks. Bill Blair Jr. is a walking history book. Also, on Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Eastern Time, Dan Henson on America's Heartland Voice has a very poignant show for you to listen to. Love you all. God bless you all. And God bless the USA. The proceeding was a production of ICAST Media Network.